Welcome back, guys, to uh, our third episode of uh, Bullet Points. Today, I'm talking about the metabolism. Can you actually boost it? And I'm also going to elaborate a little more as to if you could boost it, do you actually need to? Is there a purpose to it? Why would you want to do that? Are you lacking? Um, so we're going to dive a little bit into the metabolism. Personally, when I think about boosting your metabolism, I'm thinking about like a supplement or a dietary approach and the most common kind of combination of the two that I've used is either eating spicy food or using like capsaicin supplements or capsaicin is a substrate that you find in uh, chili peppers so it's it's the compound that makes the food spicy and it's basically what people associate with boosting your metabolism um, I think it has something to do with your gray fat cells but um, I, I don't really care much about the metabolic reason behind it because as you're going to find out quickly with the rest research I'm going to present is that it's not that important it's fairly negligible the impact it's going to have so it might not be something worth exploring but we're going to dive in deeper and see because because it would be wrong to say that it doesn't boost your metabolism but the thing is so you could just stop there and say boost your metabolism so go for it the reality is that by how much is it significant is it useful what are the implications of relying on a supplement like that or on um, increasing your amount of uh, capsaicin that you're consuming daily so is is all this worth it um, is it the worst use of your effort sometimes I find also effort is something that's limited right you, your will is not infinite and you can't spend your energy on everything at once so I think you people have to be very efficient with where they're going to invest their energy because we all have lives outside of just lifting weights so I'll dive in first into the first research that I found about spices and metabolism. So there's this research called Acute Effect of Mustard, Horseradish, Black Pepper, and Ginger on Energy Expenditure, Appetite, Ad Libitum Energy Intake, and Energy Balance in Human Subject by Gregerson and T and Al. It was in the British Journal of Nutrition. So it was a five-day crossover study, okay? So crossover means that everybody was their own control. So they basically went through every protocol with every different spices. And between each bout of eating with a specific spice, there was a three-week washout period where they would basically not be tracking. They would get off the protocol and then go back in with a different spice so that's what a crossover is i like crossover research papers because the individual is its own control in every um context so it's you know it, it reduces the potential of external uh, margin of errors um they would add so that's how they did it they would add spice to a brunch meal and what they measured is something called dit which stands for dietary-induced thermogenesis, okay? So how much energy are you expending from what you're eating, okay? It's induced from your meal. Um, 
So basically, they wanted to see if that specific spice would boost their metabolism. And unfortunately, there wasn't any significant differences between any of the conditions that they had, except for mustard that had a negligible increase compared to the other. But here's a kicker. The boost was of about an extra two calories per hour. Yeah, that's as sufficient as just like chewing gum for the rest of the day. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about what I'm saying right now, but I think if you were to chew gum, you'd probably be, in an hour, you'd probably be burning more calories than if you were not chewing gum. And it's very insignificant, you know? I don't think there's a gum chewing fat loss diet yet. Yet, there might be one one day. But yeah, unfortunately, with this paper, we realized that I don't think having to perhaps alter the taste of your meal by adding like a, a mustard unless you like eating mustard but don't think that because you're eating mustard you're significantly impacting your energy expenditure because two calories per hour means nothing right you could just like cut uh, 20 grams of carbs and you will probably be somewhere 20 grams of rice actually not even 20 grams of carbs that that would be a lot more but 20 grams of rice which is insignificant Okay, so you might say there is one main limitation, right? None of these conditions were including actually capsaicin, which is the most popular um, substrate that you find in, uh, in those articles or guru talking about spicy food, right? So we're going to move on to the next study that I found, which was um, the effect of capsaicin and capsaicin on energy balance, critical review and meta-analysis, of studies in human from Ludi, MJ, and L. So paper was a meta-analysis. I talked about meta-analysis analyses in the previous episode of Bullet Point, but if you're just joining with us today, basically it's a bunch of studies that are compiled together and they have to fit certain criteria in order to increase the power of the conclusions you're making. Okay, so instead of having one research paper, it's a bunch of research papers, and they're not just random, like they all have to fit a certain amount of criteria, and there's there's statistical analysis on them, and then it gives you a power of conclusion that is stronger than if you had only a single paper. Okay, um, I prefer like metalyses are obviously ranked higher versus a singular paper when it comes to how strong can you make conclusions out of that research, okay? So they divided between three groups. They had a low-dose group, which was 7 milligrams of uh, capsaicin, moderate group, 20 to 35 milligrams, and high-dose group was 135 to 150 milligrams. The main conclusion was that it was in fact more effective at increasing your metabolism, but we're looking at 10 calories per day up to 50 calories per day in the best case scenario. So I'm going to assume it's probably with the high dose. Again, 50 calories a day, guys. We're not gonna we're not gonna argue long about this. Like it's very insignificant. Like cut uh, cut a handful of fruits or a couple of nuts, and boom, here's your 50 calories. Or, or instead of having to go through the trouble of of incorporating a significant amount of capsaicin into your day and and then so so overall using spices to boost your metabolism as far as the evidence we have so today it's very underwhelming and you also have to factor in the potential harm it could have on your stomach of using like spicy food constantly 
and also there might be um, tolerance buildup over time using a specific supplement all the time so if you're building tolerance and you end up getting even less than 50 milligrams uh, 50 calories burn every day then what's even the point right it becomes even more meaningless um, it's possible that capsaicin actually acts a little bit as an appetite suppressor um, so that might be useful but I think bottom line my point today is that eat spicy if you feel like it but you don't need to pressure yourself thinking that you need to eat a certain amount or you need to eat it every day in order to achieve like that metabolic boost that you absolutely need to lose that extra five pound okay you're you're going to be much more um you're going to make much more better use of your time if you i don't know increase your physical activity increase your training reduce your calories uh, even just increase the um, the accuracy of how well you're tracking your food that might be that might be the issue where you're stalling but you don't need a metabolic boost and you're not going to get it from adding spices now people might say well this other thing or this method could boost my metabolism i really need it because my my metabolic rate is slowing down and and then that's when i dive in deeper like why is your metabolic rate slowing down is it because you're aging is it because you're telling me well my boyfriend has a stronger metabolism i'm a female so i can't burn as many calories as a man would um, and then my reply would be let's dive into the research and there's this paper from 2021 called Daily Energy Expenditure Through the Human Life Course from Ponzer, Ponzer al. So basically, there was a, a bank of data, over 6,000 people across 29 countries from 8 to 95 years old. Out of that humongous library of data, they, they brought it down to fit, I think, a specific mold down to 2,000 plus uh, participant and with these 2000 plus participant who who fit the mold their goal was to investigate the relationship between age and gender compared to a level of energy expenditure so basically if your metabolic rate would decline as you age or if there was a significant difference between male and females and guess what hold on i'm not going to get to the punch yet I'm first going to tell you how they were measuring this, right? So what they use is a doubly water, doubly labeled water method, which uses isotopes. Okay, so I don't think it's useful for most people who are going to watch my content to know how does that work. It's uh, it's a sophisticated method that 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 is used commonly in science. It's one of the most efficient method to track energy expenditure. So you can Google doubly labeled water. There's probably videos on YouTube. There's probably articles on Google that you can read if you're really interested to see how they actually measure this. But it's a very accurate method. And what they're basically tracking is um, CO2 production in the body from the from the individual how much co2 production they're releasing and by tracking that they can predict the level of energy expenditure okay so let's say it's a really good method it's it's accurate in terms of tracking energy expenditure per individual you have these 2000 plus individuals both genders from 20 to 60 years old and as soon as they correct the level of energy expenditure in relation to the amount of lean body mass there's no significant difference. Here's the punch, guys. Whether you're 22 years old or 58 years old, 
your level of energy expenditure, your metabolic rates, your metabolism, call it however you want, is going to be directly correlated to one of the main factors is going to be the amount of lean body mass you have. And that is not going to change. If you can preserve your lean body mass, your metabolic rate is not going to go down. How can you achieve that? By lifting weights, by training, by doing physical activity, by eating sufficient amount of protein, by having a sensible approach to your to your diet, you know, all these things that we recommend all the time, right? The basic stuff are going to be the main factor that are going to impact your metabolic rate. Now, was there a difference between male and female? Absolutely not. So why does most men burn more calories than women? Well, it's important to understand that a man's going to burn more calories than a woman in a scenario where the man is generally bigger in size or have more lean body mass. If you correct the ratio to the individual, there is no relative significant difference. So you're a smaller human being, you're going to burn less calories. You're a bigger human being, you're going to burn more calories. You have less muscle, you're going to burn less calories. You have more muscle, you're going to burn more calories. So that's what's ultimately going to have the bigger impact. I have guys who eat less calories than women amongst my pool of clients. It's not super common, but I do have certain girl with a lot of muscle and novice guys with not a lot of muscle and smaller guys with not a lot of muscle, slower metabolism. So you can't put yourself in the box. You shouldn't put yourself in a box. I'm 42 years old. I haven't been taking care of my health for the past 10 years. My metabolism has declined. It won't recover because I'm older. Absolutely not. Actually, it has declined because you've been sedentary, but it has nothing to do with your age. You pick up weights, you work your ass off, you clean up your nutrition, and a couple months, a couple years later, you probably will be in better shape than you were 10 years ago if you were sedentary back then. So that's a very important thing. That's a paradigm-shifting concept for a lot of people out there, okay? You have to get out because that's your first roadblock. That's what's holding you back. It's not understanding that you can start at 42 years old and by the time you're 45, you're in the best shape of your life. Even though you haven't done anything else for the past 15 years. Now, one point that you need to understand is that you are not the mean, okay? You're not the average. So in a paper, people over 120 pounds were burning more or less X amount of calories per day. But when you zoom in on that specific part of the chart, you see that of all the people who were weighing 120 pounds or all the people weighing 150 pounds, there was someone burning 3000 calories of energy expenditure and someone burning 1800. Okay. And it's usually like that for pretty much anywhere on the chart. Like there is an average, there is like a general baseline, but there is going to be huge discrepancy between individuals, okay? So we need to understand that these research papers are super useful to kind of get the concept and to pull massive conclusions like, like these ones. But every individual is going to have their own personal characteristics. And 
you're going to have some small girls burning a lot of calories and some big guys not burning a lot of calories, okay? If you, if you again, refer to my previous episode of Bullet Point, I talk about thrifty and spendthrift metabolism and how certain people will expend a lot of calories in a surplus and other people will right away adapt in a deficit because of their genetics, their hormone profile, their uh, metabolic rate, their NEAT levels. So there's a lot of things that is going to play a role into that. So again, you gotta you gotta assess yourself. But I think this is really encouraging data um, that is going to motivate a lot of people to just go all in and perhaps realize that they can achieve a lot more than they thought initially. Okay, so super uh, super important research paper, um, and it, it it brings it back also to the point that we don't train just to look pretty, right? It's not like, I always tell people, it's not like once you get the shape of your dream, it's not like you're going to stop training. You got to hold on to that shape. You got to, you maybe you're going to slow down because you're not in a process of growing, but you absolutely have to reverse to a process of maintenance. And that is going to allow you to be able to consume more calories, be healthier, better bone density, uh, over time and be more functional all over so we train for health and longevity as well okay so that's uh that's another important point to understand why i i love this sentence i wrote a tweet about it i i really like this sentence because that's how i wrap up this part of this presentation is that it's never too late to start and it's never early enough to stop Okay, so you're, you're, you're never going to need to stop. I think that's what my sentence is. I have to I have to go find it. It's never too late to start and it's never early enough to stop. I think that's what the sentence is. Go check my tweet, guys. Team Solomon, Twitter. But regardless, the point is that there's no there's no moment where you actually stop training. Okay, like put it in your head. This is a this is a long term plan. And it's going to go through fluctuations, but if you want to be healthy and you want to be able to maintain your metabolism, you're going to have to remain active and give some love to the weights. Okay, last point. So am I saying that your metabolic rate never drops when you're dieting or when you're losing weight? Absolutely not, okay? Remember the point where I said if you hold on to your lean body mass, so that means if you have as much lean body mass when you're 50 than when you were 20, which is possible if you maintain training, actually chances are you're going to increase the amount of lean body mass, um, then your metabolic rate would remain. But if you drop lean body mass, then chances are your metabolic rate is going to decrease, okay? So yes, your metabolism can slow down, and we call this metabolic adaptation from dieting, okay? Because if I lose 20 pounds, I'm going to lose probably a lot of fat because I'm resistance training and I'm, I'm consuming enough protein, but am I going to lose some muscle tissue as well? Inevitably, okay? It's very hard, I would say almost impossible to lose pure fat, okay? So, of course, we want to mitigate as much as possible the amount of muscle loss throughout the dieting period. And again, you can go over to my previous episode. I talk about what point is the moment where it blunts, which, how deep into a deficit can you get before hypertrophy gets fully blunt? And 
it said a roughly a 500 calorie deficit. So if you're consuming larger than a 500 calorie deficit, hypertrophy will be inhibited. If you're consuming less, chances are you can actually build a bit of muscle. So depending on how aggressive your diet is, you might be losing some muscle. And if you're losing some muscle, your met metabolic rate is going to slow down. There are other factors influencing your metabolic rate, like TEF, okay, thermic effect of feeding thermogenesis from consuming your calories that's how many calories you're burning by consuming calories if you're in a deficit are you eating less food i imagine that you are if you're eating less food are you burning less calories from feeding i imagine that you are does that make sense so if you go from eating 3000 calories down to 2400 calories because now you're in a caloric deficit well there's 600 calories that you're consuming less if you're burning x amount of calories per 100 calories then you can obviously assume that there's a certain amount of calories you're expending from feeding that is going to decrease. <coughs> so that's going to affect the overall metabolic rate. The greatest influence on metabolic rate is something that we call non-exercise activity thermogenesis, okay? Short-term NEAT. So when your NEAT goes down, that's like you becoming a little bit more sedentary because you're deep into a deficit, you're deep into a cut, you catch yourself sitting down more, you're less hyperactive, you're, you're less talking with your hands, you're a bit slower, um, there's a lot of tasks, daily tasks that you normally do, you're not doing anymore, you're not fidgety anymore, you're less energetic, all these little things, like they look like like they're not significant, but surprisingly, that is what's going to have the largest impact on your metabolic rate. So certain people are going to experience a huge drop in NEAT, other people a smaller one, but ultimately what impacts your metabolic rate the most is drops in NEAT, okay? Finally, hormones reduction. Well, you're losing fat, you're losing leptin because leptin is also produced from fat. So there's a, there's a thermogenic effect from that that you're losing. Uh, leptin is also an energy expenditure hormone, so if it reduces, you will burn less calories. Thyroid hormones, okay? Um, people who are experiencing drop in levels of thyroid hormones are going to experience a drop in metabolic rate, obviously. So there's there's other hormones that are that are key player, but these are the two main that I wanted to mention. So those hormones can drop when you're in the deficit phase, um, and it's not dramatic. It's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world if you're getting closer to your goal, okay? It's always a nice balance between getting to your objective as well as remaining as healthy as possible. But, like, I do understand, and I hope that you do too, that a deficit phase, um, you, even if it's just for a photo shoot, um, it's going to have some implications. As long as you're aware of it and you have kind of a mitigation plan for after the diet, then you can safely keep uh, progressing into that phase. Diet break can be useful. There's the Matador study that came out. Now it's almost a couple years. It was a, a kind of a groundbreaking study. You can research the Mat Matador story a study. Uh, it was with overweight population. They had like something like, um, I'm going to say like between 8 and 12 week deficit phase. But one group did like 12 weeks straight. The other group did double. So they did like 24 weeks but they had like 
a diet break every two weeks or something where they would take a full break, full week get off the deficit go back in what they realized is that the group that did diet breaks well the diet was longer obviously it's something you got to factor in right how much time do you have to spend in deficit so it was longer but they did notice that they were holding on to more lean body mass so remember i mentioned that loss of lean body mass can impact your metabolic rate so if you're trying to hold on to your metabolism including diet breaks can help but then it comes down to how long you want to stretch off and if if the trade-off of that diet is worth it um there are there have been more studies coming out like demonstrating that hormone levels come back up also when you're in a diet break but there's more research uh one from jackson pios came out last year and kind of showed that metabolic rate improvement would rapidly drop down as soon as you go back into a deficit so it's not like you can do a diet break in order to hold on to your hormone levels when you're dieting like they are going to drop inevitably as soon as you go back into a deficit so again you got you got to you got to weigh in if it's worth it to be constantly pulling out also the psychological impact of pulling out of a deficit when you're already food focused does it turn this into a binge you have a hard time with compliance when you go back these are all things you got to factor in but there there are tricks there are method that i use with certain clients and it actually works well uh in order to holding on to metabolic rate ultimately what you need to understand is that if you're five percent body fat even if you start eating at maintenance, you're still at 5% body fat, okay? So until you regain that body fat, chances are your metabolic rate is not going to go back to normal. Your hormones are not going to go back to normal. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel less like shit because there's more energy coming in. But your body is still in a constant state of crisis, right? Very, very low levels of lean body mass. So the body feels vulnerable, you're still cold all the time, you might remain food focused despite the added thousand calories that you might be eating, you still catch yourself being food focused because your survival instincts are telling you that you're still in jeopardy. So understanding that um, that if you want to fully recover your metabolic rate, you might have to sacrifice some of your aesthetics in order to be at a body fat that is going to be healthy for you. Which brings me to my last point. Not everyone has an optimal body composition set point. Okay, it's very genetic dependent. So you gotta find yours. Like things like where do I perform the most when I'm training? Where is my sleep the most optimal? Where do I stop being so food focused and I can actually like go on periods without eating and not really thinking about food, or I can eat a normal meal without feeling like I want to eat everything. Um, and then when you find that moment for you, that's probably the place where you want to kind of sit, slow down, stop gaining weight, stay in maintenance phase and kind of just like improve your body comp over time. But rare are the people who are going to be walking year long at 5% body fat with an optimal metabolic rate. Okay, so here's my presentation today, guys. Can you influence your metabolic rate? Not so much. Can you mitigate damage to it when you're dieting yes to a certain extent does it matter if you're older or younger or men or women when it comes to your metabolism not significantly so keep that in mind go get your goals talk to you soon bullet point episode three